0: You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders
1: share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends.
2: Welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm here with my friends. We're only missing one guy, Jeff. We miss you. But down in Sumter, South Carolina, we got Damar RP How's it going? Good, good, good. Down in the in the morning after ministry studios, we got Andrew James Larson.
3: Greetings and salutations, one and all.
2: And down in, um, I was going to say Jacksonville, but just a, a little ways from Andrew. Um, the homeschool studios. Uh, the homeschool studios. We got Timothy Miller.
1: I do feel the pain coming from Jacksonville from a, another terrible sports weekend for me.
2: Mm. So, uh Talking about this this past sports week, hey, here's a unique thing that is sports and church related. Um, if you guys know, I don't know if you guys know this, a certain team played at 9 a.m. this past Sunday, the Packers and the Giants, and that categorically affected everything in our church. Like every service had like 50% less attendance on planning center, almost like a large number of folks blocked this day out or like didn't like, canceled from showing up. Um, You know, Wisconsin is a state, is a big Packer state, so the Packers definitely affect not only the emotions, but the attendance of our church. And so um, my campus wasn't necessarily as affected, but one thing we did do in preparation for that was um, we had a big worship night on Friday, and one way is to, like, help with the – the weight of ministry for all the other worship people was to only have an acoustic Sunday, all four campuses, but it also lined up perfectly because it was the Packers playing in London at 9. AM. And so therefore, um, no one was like, a lot of people were out. A lot of people were streaming or a lot of people were doing that thing where they had the game on mute and they're, they're like in the service and their phone is just on their lap. So, um, so that's been uh, that was that was my that was my Sunday and that's my contribution to sports.
3: Frank, I've got I've got two important things to say about that. Number 1, I was at a funeral on Saturday during the Rays 15th inning season ending playoff game and wouldn't you know it if I was not standing in the back of the room with my phone uh watching the Rays on mute for the vast majority of that service. Am I a horrible person? Maybe. But I was there and I I cried when I was supposed to and I hugged who I was supposed to hug. But I get sometimes you need to watch the game on your phone. Also, the Buccaneers play in Germany on November 13th. And the Sunday before the Sunday before Thanksgiving at our church, we do a big thing called Dinner of Thanks. We basically have Thanksgiving dinner for our entire church. And that is that day. And so we, we've got it figured out so that our service will end at about halftime. And so the second half, we will have the Buccaneers game on in our fellowship hall to make sure people don't leave. And stay for the dinner of thanks.
2: That's more Andrew. I, I have a question: Are you going to personally reach out to Tom Brady and minister to him during this uh, possible divorce that he's facing? He
3: legitimately lives three minutes from my house. His house is really right. Know that. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So he lives. He lives um, in Bel Air, so right on right on the intercoastal. Okay. In fact, if you look at his story from last night, you can see him looking out from his backyard. Onto Clearwater Beach. That is, if 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 I had a drone, I could fly it from my roof to his roof without losing connection. Because I'm very wealthy, and that's the neighborhood I live in. I don't know if you guys realize this about me, but I'm super super rich. None
2: of that's true. But are you going to uh, are you going to help him um, as they are possibly filing for divorce?
3: You know, I've I've tweeted at him a few times, inviting him to church. Never get anything back. We'll see we'll we'll see if he's uh if he's amicable and if he's uh, interested in a pastor reaching out. Also, it's really weird that he's 5 years older than me because I feel like most people my age have retired from the NFL but not him.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's we're also the age where like a lot of quote-unquote young doctors are our age. We're getting close to the age where we're going to surpass yeah. surpass the age of doctors <laughs> and that's a weird feeling. But uh, it's it's
3: just weird when someone older than you asks for advice in general, and I think that's one of the things that yeah. you you adjust to when you go from uh student ministry or whatever or campuses or whatever to becoming the the lead guy. We're like, oh, okay, so now I am like the person to give advice to these people and I, and they're twice <laughs> as old as me yeah. that that's a little bit weird. but you know mm. if Tom and Giselle want to uh, go through. Um, some pre not premarital, but, you know, some postmarital marital counseling. Uh, we've we've got some curriculum that I really think could help them out. They're only a few minutes away, so Please. I can go to their house so they don't have to come here.
2: <laughs> nice. Uh, Del, how was your weekend?
0: My weekend was actually really good. Um, Sundays are long now, uh, longer than they used to be, mainly because I have to work. Um, as far as not handing out biscuits, but, uh, we had a lot of people join. So, uh, we did a big welcome for them. And then, uh, in the evening we had students. So that's going, uh, pretty good right now. But on the whole, like the weekend was, I guess you would call it smooth. Can you, I mean, we're in that season where we're through the hustle and, uh, we are getting ready for our next series. I will tell you this though. Funny story. So our church um, is moving to do video announcements. You know what I mean? Because used to be a lot of announcements at the end. So two weeks ago, we met, had a girl. She's really good. Filmed her doing the video announcements last week. We rolled them. It was awesome. This week, she's on the stage because she's a worship leader as well, right? And we roll the video announcements and nothing comes out and uh they start them over and nothing comes out because i guess it was a new person on tech back there but have any of y'all ever been in the services where like there's a video playing everyone's quiet and then the, the anticipation quiet turns into like very awkward silence like that was us the first that's how our service started out sunday it was like this supremely awkward silence but uh but other than that i mean it was really good
2: that's awesome um uh i'm uh I, uh, this past Sunday, uh, we had an acoustic set, but one thing that was really exciting is after my announcements, we did the second second week in a row where we did a meet and greet, and I just want to wanna come up here and inform you guys that nothing bad happened, and everyone loved it. And so, so far, 2022, October 2022, meet and greets are officially back.
3: Dr. Fauci said that COVID could stay in your system for three weeks before you become symptomatic. So those handshakes, Frank, you got to give them another two weeks to see if they killed anybody.
2: Well, you guys are sharing meals together. So, I feel like we, feel like, we, we do each okay. and every week. <laughs> yeah. Each um, and every week. We're also on the on the precipice of maybe th- this past Sunday was our communion Sunday, and this might have been the last Sunday we did the um to go communion. And we might be bringing um some, some the form real stuff. of no more Jesus juice box. <laughs> Jesus cheese box. Yeah, some form of um some form of normal communion. Um we're still trying to figure out exactly the mode in which we're going to have communion, but we're definitely going to bring back uh, actual elements again soon. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, hey, so one thing that I am very excited about is that it's pastor appreciation month. Have you guys got any cool gifts recently? Dude, my church has been so
0: loving. They sent out this letter to everyone and we're like, Hey, if you want to write encouraging letters to the pastors here, that would be great. And dude, my, mailbox has just been full this past week of encouraging notes from people uh, they even actually some ladies got together and took my wife out for lunch and had her out and uh, it's really cool uh, so yeah our church has been doing that just the old school love which honestly it never gets old
2: Yep. My, I have my no ch- idea if,
3: if my church knows that <laughs> pastor appreciation month is a thing I got a, a really neat card yesterday and uh, it's from a guy who's been at our church for, like, you know, I, I think the week of the fantasy football draft was his third week. So he's been here as long as this football season has existed. And uh, that's, I think, the first thing I've ever gotten in five Octobers here. So wow. it was it was uh, really nice. It's just really funny because some churches are all about it and others you are like, oh, that's a thing? That's a Hallmark holiday, right?
0: You need to get your deacons to strategically let everyone know. Behind your yeah, back, exactly. That- yeah, I
3: can't. There, there, there was a. Uh, I think there was like a Gospel Coalition article last week that was like five things not to do during pastor. And I was hoping it would be funny and not like a hook, like we're trying to be funny, but actually this is serious. Because if it was just a funny article, I could share it um, with you know, hey world, this is a thing. But then it tried to get super serious, and I was like, eh, I can't share that.
2: Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, uh, I, every every year the kids ministry does this sweet thing where they give like some sort of art or plaque or thing and all the kids sign it. And it's super sweet and I loved it. And that was fun. Um, and then someone ripped apart their, their study guide um, and they wrote me like a little handwritten letter uh, uh, just saying that they appreciate me. And that was really sweet. Tim, did you get? Have you not? Not that this is about like you should be getting awesome gifts, but has anything happened in your church lately uh, for pastor appreciation?
1: So I had one of our door greeters. He pulled me aside after church on Sunday and said, "Tim, I heard it's pastor appreciation month. I just want to let you know I appreciate you." And I got a I got a big old bear hug, and I said, "Jeff, that really meant a lot to me. Thank you." So if that counts, and it counts in my book, that was awesome.
0: Well, good. Is that the Jeff that we know that we met?
1: It is a different Jeff. I believe. Uh, I was about to say because
0: if it's that Jeff, then he really appreciates you, and he appreciates all of us when we get to the practically pastoring. Well, that's so, Timmy. What you're saying to. is,
3: I because I have a card, I have tangible, tangible evidence that I'm more appreciated than you are.
2: Yes, that is correct. Oh, boom! <laughs> In your <laughs> well, face. <laughs> well, every pastor that's listening to this, first off, know that we appreciate you. And here's some tangible evidence that we appreciate you. We are running a awesome discount code right now for the Praday Pastoring conference. You can get30 dollars off if you put in the code Pastor 30, pas,TOR. Three zero. If you put that code at registration, you'll knock off thirty dollars from the registration, and that is our gift to you because we want to see the prelate pastoring conference and we want to lavish you. That's the first bit of appreciation gift that we're giving you. When you get to the conference, it's going to be a conference of nothing but appreciation because you're going to be there surrounded by other people who care about you, who want to grow in ministry, want to become better pastors. The the, the Tim. Tim specifically has remodeled the whole youth space, not because of his youth group. He could he care less about the youth, you know what I'm saying? What he cares about is these pastors, and that's why he did it. He, wanted, he, he updated his youth group to appreciate you.
1: It's the Practically Pastoring Appreciation Conference. I mean, we we just renamed it. It's all (laughs) about pastor appreciation.
2: PPAC. There you go. So if you want to come to the Practically Pastoring Conference, go to practicallypastoringconference.com. Use promo code PASTOR30, and you'll be able to save $30 from the registration. And we will see you on February 20th to the 22nd down in Tarpon Springs, Florida. Andrew, you have something you want to share?
3: I just want to say that for the record, PPAC is a way better nickname than the one that we usually call it, so we should stick with PPAC.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. Um, com. All right, guys. So uh, we don't want to be a podcast that just constantly deals with, like, current events and just pedals what's new and what's, what's trending, but there is a certain thing that happened over the weekend that is actually relatively close the practically pastoring uh, brothers here in this in this in this in this pod. Um, one, like three three connections here. One, it's in the same state as Dumb RP, so that's interesting. Yep. Two, um, we found out that there was a staff member that know that you know personally, Dell, at that church, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then the church that we're about to speak about, a, a family member of Andrew attends that church, right? That's right. All right. Um so over the weekend there was a church in is it is it Greer South yeah, Carolina Greer. Greer Unless you're up there then it's Greer Oh nice okay <laughs> <laughs> Well in Greer South Carolina there's a church called of uh, well, I don't I mean it's on the article Fairview Baptist Church um there was a sister of a 14 year old girl that attended a youth group and she uh noticed that she got a sticker as a gift from a, th- it says thirty-five-year-old youth pastor. We have been corrected multiple times that we found out that his actual age is thirty-two, but it doesn't make a difference in the end. In the end of all this, that he gave out a sticker that says "I heart hot youth pastors." I heart hot youth pastors, and unfortunately, that is inappropriate. <laughs> I don't know how to say this, but uh, but yeah, it's not a good look. Anyways, in the world of you know the Southern Baptists getting you know question by um,
3: the, the same weekend that uh, the Southern Baptist Convention is on 60 Minutes. This is happening.
2: Yeah, same, same weekend the Southern Baptist is on 60 Minutes. The same weekend, at the, the, the same time where the Southern Baptists are being investigated by the FBI, all this other stuff is happening. Um, there is a single youth pastor giving out to giving out stickers to uh, underage girls that they heart hot youth pastors, and it's not a good look. So Twitter erupted there's um there's a, a a pop a a woman named Emily Petrini I believe her name is she tweeted this out and and it, it went viral it went viral on christian twitter it went viral on progressive Twitter it went viral on deconstruction twitter it went viral all over twitter and um it's I think it's even surpassed outside of the Christian domain and everyone wants to co- make a comment about it. And so there is some, a little bit of like, not insider conversation, because I feel like we, like the stuff that we know internally is kind of known publicly as well. But I, I'd be interested to know from you guys, when you heard about this story, when you think about this story, I just want to know, like, you know, two of you are senior pastors. Uh, Dell and I are in the second chair position. Del's actually working in, uh, with students now, right? You're back with students? Yeah,
0: still the second chair, but I'm dipping in students again.
2: Yeah. So my my question is to you guys is like, hey, what would you do if this was like your youth pastor? And um and and beyond that, like how can we help other youth pastors avoid making at minimum this type of dumb mistake or at maximum a huge character issue that needs to be addressed?
3: It, it's tough cuz I think we we all have stories about these stupid things that we thought were good ideas as youth pastors. That just absolutely flopped. And when you're trying really hard to be funny, sometimes you're sometimes you're not. And that is. It's tough. The so on Thursday night, when the first tweet got sent out, I was scrolling Twitter and saw it. And I sent screenshots to you guys and to my sister. I sent it to you guys because I was like, oh, man, this guy's, you know, doesn't have a shot at having a job next week. And I sent it to my sister because she lives in Greer. And then by the time, three minutes after that got sent, I sent it to you guys and sent it to my sister. We realized that that was actually my sister's church, and suddenly then the the story got a lot more personal because at first it was oh this this dummy, and then it became wait this is this is my niece's youth pastor. This is someone who, you know, has influence in my family and. I think my initial reaction is, oh, this guy's fired immediately. And by Saturday, my reaction was, okay, they're, they're, they'll figure out what to do with him. But why hasn't the church said anything? How does this go from happening on Wednesday night, blowing up all over on you know Thursday and Friday to it's Sunday morning and the church has not sent out a single email yet? So I, th- I think uh, – what I, I was texting my sister during the week because she was like, you know, what would you do in this situation? I was like, I think some kind of a suspension or or a, a leave is necessary, but almost more important than that at this point is how has the church not said anything for four days that this has been public?
0: Yeah, I mean, overall, I. I have been told stuff that I've been asked not to repeat because I'm pretty close to it. So I'm going to navigate that, but back up further than that. I just wonder how much his uh, leaders are in on this. Like is his adult student leaders. Cause I know that the people I surround myself with, they would have lynched me if like they, if, if I would have made those behind their back That would have been one thing. But then when I started handing them out, they would have taken them up so, like it would have been handled. And I think that's why it's so important as people who work in any vein of ministry, your leaders, two things. They need to be people who are wiser than you. You need to have leaders who are more competent than you. That's just an act of humility and it's helpful. But then also there needs to be an environment around you that's not so tense to where they can't correct you because they're afraid that you might remove them or reprimand them. Or you, it may be something simple like, Oh, he's just always got to defend his stuff. I think it's okay to like strategically concede your loss at times to create an atmosphere where people trust you. And he may have had that. I mean, from what I have gathered, this guy is, uh, he, the, He's very loved at the church. Now, I know other people are going to be like, well, people like that always are who have their agendas and stuff. But, you know, people who I trust, people who have mentored me know him and vouch for his character. So it does look horrible. But I think in the backside, this is why it's so important that your your deacons, your elders, people who you allow – to be serving alongside you and under you, they're allowed to speak into your life and that you're transparent, open enough to let them know what you're doing. Does that make sense?
3: My, my sister was at the, the parents meeting yesterday at the church and kind of gave me the play by play This, you know, this is all public at this point, but she said that one of the leaders who is one of the key volunteers, but is a leader in the church stood up and said, I was there in the room and I saw it happening and never once did I think, Oh no, which I, I get it because as, when I was a youth pastor, I surrounded myself as much as I could with people that thought what I thought was funny was funny. And you know, you want people to laugh at your jokes, right? That's, that's part of uh that's part of anybody's, I don't want to say ego, but just in general, you're drawn to people that think and act like you, which is why I think it's really important that when we are recruiting leaders, we let them know, Hey, I, I've got enough perspective of the 30-something white dude with no kids. I would really like the perspective of a mom who homeschools three girls. I'd really like the perspective of a dad who's got kids that play travel sports. I'd like the perspective of people of color. I'd like the perspective of, do you know what, this person's from a broken family. It is what I'm going to say going to – not not that you have to pull punches because of someone's socioeconomic status, but – Is what I'm going to say going to affect how somebody might or might not respond to the gospel? And to do that, to be all things to all people, you need to be surrounded by all different types of people. If you are insular and you're only surrounded by one type of person, then you're going to miss something that is going to be very, very obvious to other types of people.
0: To kind of piggyback off of that, I think this is why it's very wise periodically to have a conversation with your entire congregation, even behind the pulpit, and let your people know, don't just listen to what I say. Don't just watch what I do. Hold me to a standard. Examine what I say. That's so important because, especially if you're a long-tenured pastor, a good thing is you have the trust of your congregation The bad thing is you have the trust of your congregation because they just assume, oh, he didn't mean it that way. But that 14 year old girl didn't know that, you know, so you need to practice and allow your congregation to practice discernment, listening to you and observing you. And I think that's why it's really important, even when whoever your closest leaders are, say, hey, listen, how how am I coming across Um, is there anything I've done, like give them the space, give them the permission to say that and be willing to receive it. And I'll be honest, if they never push back on you, that's a problem, right? That's, that's a problem. If your leaders are never correcting you and providing you feedback that's showing that you're going to a place that's comfortable. And I think most of us who've been in ministry for a long time, we've had times where we've done that, right? Because like uh, to your energy generally attracts similar energy, right? So like, if you are like this charismatic, extroverted guy, you're going to get that. But you need to have those introverted, analytical people on your team who could say, probably not a good idea.
2: Yeah, I think that there is a uh, uh, a wisdom about surrounding yourself with people. I like what you said, Andrew, surrounding yourself with people who are from different facets of life. I know when I did student ministry, um, I often was trying to recruit folks that I felt like would be a good hang people who I would get along with the most. And I didn't necessarily always think strategically of like, who can I surround myself with that kind of fill out where I'm deficient in. And, and, and whether that's wisdom and like having parents when I'm not a parent or having older men and women, because I was younger in ministry was like, we often scoffed the idea of having parents and wanted more of like college kids because we thought that would be the best thing to relate to them. And yeah, I, I don't, I, I, you guys actually, you two might know better than I do in terms of the demographics of the city, the demographics of this church. But there, there's definitely like, um, there's definitely like maybe somewhat of like ministry in a silo where there was no, there's there was no accountability, no like, hey, let me speak into this. What you think is a funny joke or a funny bit is going to offend or hurt some people, right? And, I mean, I'll be the first one to say I've done a lot of bits and jokes that ended up hurting and offending people needlessly. And I think that's the part where if I were able to to counsel this guy, even if he were to tell me, which I I think from what is coming out more of this story is that he seems like a pretty upstanding guy and didn't mean any kind of, like, ill – anything ill from it I would I would I would you know correct him and say even if you think it's funny and you meant nothing behind it is there a world where we could like not needlessly offend people even for the base of a joke or a bit or something like that and that's where wisdom comes in I mean like how many times have you chosen to watch what you say from the pulpit because though it's true and though it's like um, harmless, or, or or but like because of the environment you're in or the circumstances you are in, it will needlessly cause more tension or or harm to your church when you didn't have to, right? And I think, or something, I would say one thing I often give critiques in my in, in our sermon review process is one of the biggest critiques that we often give is your humor betrays you more often than it helps you. And so I would say, like, hey, I get what you're saying here as a joke or to be funny or to reach the ten people that have watched that movie. Case in point, there was a pastor one time who made a Game of Thrones reference, something like bow down to the king. or, or so I, I don't, I've never seen Game of Thrones, so I don't know what the reference really meant. But, like, they made a Game of Thrones reference. And, like, though there's definitely people in our church who love Game of Thrones, we're going to needlessly offend people because that's a hard R with lots of nudity and stuff like that. Like, like it would be better just to not even reference it. I think this is another step where, like, there's a lack of reading the temperature in the room of, A, being a Baptist church and, and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know. Like, I haven't lived in the South for seven years. So, like, I don't remember. Like, I, I sometimes think about my time in Arkansas, my time in Florida, and think about how there's so many things that I could have gotten away with down there that I could never get away with up here. And and, and so maybe, like, I'm a little more in tune of, like, what our people are sensitive to in other parts of the country now because of that. But. Needless to say, um, there is a, a lack of wisdom in the sense of not necessarily reading culturally what this could mean in a post-Me Too world, in a post-Southern Baptist being, you know, investigating world. Like, there's there's a lack of clarity. And to that point, I'm not at all surprised the the level of how he's being dragged on Twitter. Because also... The, the the majority of the people who are dragging him are not people who are necessarily always in favor of just general conservative Christianity, much less uh, the Southern Baptist Church, right? But I do I don't think that their their dragging is completely invalid in the sense that there's there's a, there's a there's a there's a lot of smoke in the conservative churches right now, and a lot of smoke in the Southern Baptist churches. And what we find sometimes is that where there's smoke, there is fire. I hope not. To believe... Sometimes, us-
3: usually, when there's smoke, <laughs> yeah. there's fire
2: now i want to i want to choose to believe i want to hope to believe i don't know how the right way to say this without like indicting me or something like that but i I hope to believe that there's no fire here that this is just a bad amount of of, of uh, circumstantial stuff that's led to this moment, but like it doesn't look good so anyways Tim i want to hear your thoughts what are your thoughts on all this you have um a teenage daughter, so like you know if you were to pa- if you were to senior pastor in this church like how would you go about this How would you feel about this
1: yeah i do I have a I have a 13 year old daughter, I've got a son who just joined the youth group and my next daughter up will be in the youth group next summer. So for me, I was trying to see this from both a pastoral and a parent perspective. If my 13 year old daughter brought home that sticker, how would I feel? Um, Uncomfortable is probably putting it mildly as a dad, like would would not stand for it one bit. I actually took it right to my elders as soon as this story came out and said, "Guys, what do you, what do you think here? What are your thoughts?" And we we all we all pretty much agreed that th- this this is a fireable offense. Like, th- this crossed the line. This this is a this was a, this could be a character issue. was for sure a judgment issue. Dell, I hear what you're saying. Where were the student leaders? Where were where were his small group leaders? What? who's speaking into his life? How how was this idea not even a text to a friend, like, hey, isn't this funny? And then someone saying, bro, not funny, not funny. Like this is just, this isn't. And Andrew, and I had this conversation a little bit ago, but I, I mean, I can remember I had seven youth pastors in six years as a student in student ministry. So I, I went through, I mean, I just saw a ton of youth pastors and, you know, get fired, get let go for, for one reason or the other. And honestly, had we had, if we had social media back then, I probably would have went through 14 youth pastors because like, I saw a ton of stuff that I'm thinking back now. like, wow. Yeah. I like mooning me probably wasn't appropriate as a, as a youth pastor. Funny for me as a middle school kid, but like me seeing your bare butt probably shouldn't have have happened when I was in middle school. Now that I, now that I'm thinking back on it. So I'm not trying to be overly harsh on this guy, but there is an optics perspective and I've got, I've got a lot of church members. I've got other families involved. I've got people watching, saying, well, "What's what's Lakeview going to do here? Are they going to take this seriously?" It is letting the guy, you know, placing him on administrative leave while we investigate. That I, I do think that was probably a very tact, tactful, tasteful. That's probably the right approach. Let's let's do the, let's do the investigation. And I'm, and I'm for just the record, telling you,
3: he he offered to resign, which he should have. I, I that was one of the things that I. When, mm. Because, again, my, my sister, my sister's super smart. She has a degree in, in church ministry, but she's like, you know, what would you do? And I said, first things first, he needs to offer to resign because that takes all the heat off of him and puts it on the church because people are allowed to be fallible. Institutions are not. And so that's exactly right.
1: That's and, exactly and,
3: and right. So I, I, I probably I would have accepted
1: off- his, his resignation. Yeah, I, I would have. I would have offered whatever help we could possibly give to him and for him and being in a denomination, there is help that we can offer. I would have probably referred him to denominational resources to get him the help that he needs. But I, I didn't know he offered his resignation. That, that would have made it a lot easier in the church. I would have accepted it and then given him to the appropriate channels in the denomination.
0: Yeah. I think the tension you have, if you're in that church, at least if, if I try to practice empathy, it's, Okay, you fire if you don't fire this guy. I mean, this cancel culture thing is real, right? Like, every pastor, some people have already started putting out all the staff's names on Twitter to try to get other people. This guy is in on it, you know. So, there is that if they don't fire him, if they do fire him, even though they know that if you give grace, it was a mistake, not a sin. I'm not saying that I'm just saying if I knew him and I felt that then you have this feeling of, man, I just fired a guy for a mistake. But then you do have that thing. OK, but some mistakes are fireable. Given the context, given where you're at, I th- I think a lot of times as churches, we think you can't fire somebody unless there's sins involved, you know, but like there are sometimes mistakes that can land you in the hot seat. But. I think we were all talking. The best thing he could do is offer his resignation. That would actually allow some of the steam to come off, you know, the pressure to come off for the church, but it would also let him publicly be recognizing, Hey, I recognize what this was about, you know? Um, So that's, that's kind of my thing. I will tell you this. And I sent you guys a picture yesterday, my horror, when I was digging through our welcome to youth boxes, as I'm cleaning out stuff in the back room and there's a sticker and there it stands. This says "I heart HSM," which stands for Harmony Student Ministries. But somebody was like, "Oh, I heart hot student ministers." Okay, yeah, not giving those out. <laughs> so, but yeah,
2: it's uh it's it's kind of wild story. I also heard uh, I think in one of the 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 emails that went out, which which this is another like kind of crazy thing that's happening is like. I heard the first bits of communication that went out were just to the parent of the girl, but it got leaked uh, to Twitter. The, the older and, sister. Oh, it was to the older sister? Okay. Yeah. Um but like and you, it for the record
3: it, is an adult. Okay. The, sure, the older sure,
2: sure. The, the adult older sister of
3: the fourteen year old who received the
2: sticker. Yeah. But well, the, I would say
1: there were multiple fumbles on the play, like by, by by the youth pastor, by the leadership team, by the church not I mean, really getting after this
2: immediately with some sort of formal statement I think things should have been done quickly it took him a while to say something for sure um i i do think that like they uh the the youth pastor said something like i was trying to make a mockery of the trend or like trying to get on the trend of saying something like i heart was it hot moms is that what it was the joke yeah that was it. yeah <laughs> already like that's not a bit that you wanted to make like like, like there's a, i think that like shows more about the wisdom I again. I want to be careful to not question his character because I don't know this guy, but like that speaks into the wisdom of this that like there should have been something there that's like ah uh, like there's some cultural trends like I I made the bit oh yeah for example I I remember posting this when um what's that big Netflix show. Uh, uh, Squid Games, when Squid Games first came out and it, it got wildly popular and then I think soon after that Mr. Beast did a thing I remember posting this, I said hey, here's a word of wisdom to all youth pastors, don't make a Squid Games game for youth group this weekend and, and the wisdom in that is like one the premise of the show, first off you're bringing attention to a, a pretty graphically R-rated show, we don't need to do that secondly, the premise of the show is that everyone gets murdered all right, so what game are you gonna play? where people are gonna be eliminated With, with like a mock like, like there's just so many wisdom things that I, at minimum, I said, don't play this game so you don't have a bunch of emails next day and and I think that like there's a lot of trends that are happening in our culture that you as a youth pastor or use as a pastor in general can can clock can like, notice and understand, but don't need to like make it a youth group game or a youth group thing. I think that's when it we're we're getting too... Too into the weeds of like being too much of the culture here as opposed to making commentary of the culture.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's important to note that so much of our culture is copy culture now. And this is not just church. Like TikTok, if someone does a dance, who's gotta do the dance? everybody and then coca-cola's got to have their version of the dance you know and then politicians got to have their so it's real easy for us to just be like well i'm just mimicking the culture but frank like yeah what you said discernment is so important copy culture is i mean it's always been around but it's amplified right now so it's almost second nature to us oh i gotta make that into a game and we just bypass thinking about it (laughs) you know
3: when when Christians copy culture we end up with a breadcrumb and fish Abercrombie t shirts and it's not a good look on anybody.
2: That's funny. That's good. Um I guess uh you know we, we kind of we kind of already addressed this, you know, should he be fired or not? I, I think the putting him on paid administrative leave is wise. I, I think putting a third hopefully it's like a true third party investigation, that's wise. Um I don't know if actually if that's true. If it's a third party investigation, it just says investigation. So that could be just like an internal investigation. I don't, you have something to say, Andrew? I,
3: I've got I've got two thoughts. Number one, I'm curious: does it make a difference to you if he ordered the stickers versus like they showed up? Because sometimes you you know you order curriculum or you order whatever, and just random things show up in the box. Um, so I, I think that's a question that I, I really think is worth answering because. Pick your curriculum company. Pick your whatever youth ministry related organization. Um, you, you pick them and figure out. You know, if I got something from them, it must be okay. That's that's one thought. Versus, I went to Sticker Mule or I went to whoever, and I, you know, I went to Canva and made this design. I I exported it into a transparent. Um, png and i uploaded it to a website i spent church money ordering the stickers and then i handed them out to students versus hey i found these random things in a box i think that makes a difference because one is a this is a split second decision that's a mistake versus i thought about this every step on the way of the way and still did it the I other question
2: well hold on hold on, hold on is, you the other question. Yep. if i was thinking about that because you asked me that earlier and i thought to myself First of, what curriculum company do we know that would do that? I, I I'm not saying that like there aren't curriculum because I feel like between the four of us, we know a lot of the big players in like youth ministry curriculum, and I'm sure that maybe they would give out maybe a silly sticker that might be like mildly inappropriate. That's more like internal talk for youth pastors. I can't think of a curriculum company that would that would make that that specific sticker. And if they no, is, but you can think, but you can think, think of a half do- yeah. <laughs>
3: but you can think of a half dozen organizations that might've had a booth at a youth conference sure. trying to get you to, you know, that would have stickers like that. Like and a, those are stick uh, and those are stickers for youth pastors to give to youth pastors.
2: They could is be like still, a, like a youth ministry and health, like a, like a fitness. you like like, we're trying to make skinny youth pastors. So we heart, we heart hot youth pastors again, drag them. They shouldn't be making stickers like that. But uh, what's the second question?
3: My, my second question is, is this being treated differently because he's a single guy? I mean, uh, or would this have happened if he was a single guy? But if, if I do something stupid, the thing immediately goes to well. look at his wife, look at his children. Clearly this is a mistake. That's not who this guy is, but because this guy is a single guy, is he being treated differently and not given the same benefit of the doubt that a married guy would be given?
1: I know for, for me in my case, I could have, just showed my wife the stickers and said, Hey, this is kind of funny. And she would be like, no, it's not <laughs> like oh, oh the, for, the whole situation sure. would have been avoided. Like for yeah. me. I, so are we treating this guy differently because he's not married? Maybe, maybe. But I mean, the
2: fact is, is he's, he's not married and, and he still did this and it's an issue. His age is probably more of a, a factor for me than his, his marital status. His marital status makes it look worse, but his age is this thing that like, I feel like, um, is what what makes me discouraged? Because at the end of the day, like guys, I've been I've been I've been trying to ring this bell for like a decade now. I feel like it's like we like when I was a youth pastor, I wanted to be taken so seriously. I wanted to be respected in the church, and I wanted the I wanted the the the, the title of youth pastor to be more respected within Western evangelicalism, right? And because there's so many bad examples of youth pastors and people making dumb mistakes. And, like, I just saw a chart that was associated with this tweet where someone was showing the the the, the, the people within the church who are most likely to do with some sort of sexual assault against a, a person in the church. And number one was just the title pastor. Number two was youth pastors. And, like, it, that, I mean, that, that kind of stuff infuriates me. But beyond that, it's just, like, there's a level of immaturity that we have accepted amongst youth ministry, and I think unfortunately youth ministry culture has like propagated that. Like when we go to we, if we go to youth ministry conferences, if we go to you know a lot of things are associated with youth ministry, we've allowed immaturity to be commonplace. Not that we should be taking ourselves too seriously, but like we're not expecting more from our youth pastors. And you would hope that like one thing that we often tell churches is like, hey, don't don't be afraid to hire the 30-something youth pastor because the 30-something youth pastor will have more wisdom than the 20-something youth pastor. But now we're hearing about a 30-something youth pastor who's doing something dumb. And it's, it, it, it discourages me because, like, like the reason why I want the, the 20 to 30-something youth pastors to come to the Practically Pastoring Conference is because we want to, to, to sit in the same room as the associate pastors and the senior pastors and all the other pastors because we we are, at the, at the, at the end of the day, as you guys will have to make the joke, Anytime there's an adjective before the, pa- the word pastor, it's just a marketing term. It, does, it doesn't really mean anything. We're still called to be pastors. And so, therefore, like, we should have a sense of respect to the role that we're in, whether that's pastoring students or pastoring adults. One thing that someone told me the other day that really convicted me is children's pastors, which are majority women in most cases, are often more mature than youth pastors in every church, and that's a kind of a embarrassing and shocking truth. Maybe that's anecdotal from my situation, but I felt like that was crazy. was Andrew, I,
3: I I think to echo what you're saying, Frank, we we want youth pastors to be taken seriously, and we want youth pastors to act their position, to, no matter what their age is. But we should we should be treating them like pastors and paying them like pastors. You know when. Like yeah. when when you have the twenty two year old acting like he graduated from college six months ago, well, duh, that's because you're paying him twenty eight thousand dollars a year uh, for a full time position where he's in charge of people that in three years will be within his dating age range of range of not being creepy. That's you you get what you pay for sometimes, and so, so maybe part of the answer is we need to have. We need to have overworked, overpaid church staffs. I would much rather have, you know, I'm the only full-time employee at my church. If I was someplace else with with a different budget and it was like, hey, you can have two full-time people who are paid really, really well. So I know I can go out and get the two best people or you can have three full-time people that are going to be what you pay what you get for. Give me those two people that I can work really hard and compensate really well as opposed to, you know, m- more people. And so often I think the reason that the bar is so low for youth pastors is because churches know what well, we're going to have six youth pastors in the next seven years. You know, this guy is only going to be here two years. And then his resume is going to say, it's time to move on to the bigger church or to wh- whatever it may be. And until we start treating youth ministry as though it is serious ministry, we're not going to have youth pastors that take things seriously And until we have churches that take youth ministry seriously, we can't expect the youth pastors to take youth ministry seriously. And I don't think that's what's going on in this case. I don't think that's what's happening here with him or with this church. But just in general, the sophomoric attitude when it comes to youth ministry is exactly what it should be based on how churches treat youth ministry.
2: That's good. I do think that, um, uh, I I do wonder, like, um, you know, there's a lot of people projecting the creepiness onto this guy based on his age and his marital status. Not say, again, I do think the sticker was very unwise, and I think there's a lack of wisdom and not reading the room. But like so much of what is being discussed on Twitter is a projection of a lot of the other issues going on in the Southern Baptist Church and evangelicalism, all that other kind of stuff. And I think it's 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 um it's coloring the narrative in a way that I think is is ultimately going to ruin this man, um in terms of like him having like. If the church if the church doesn't fire him, let's say, which which I think we're all kind of guessing they won't, but if the church doesn't fire him, they're gonna blame the church and, and like do I mean the the, the church has already been review bombed on Google with one star reviews. Um every social media post has all this like kind of like really uh accusatory attacking kind of comments and and it's all from projections of what people think is actually happening. When like I think I think kind of the attitude between us is a all of us being youth pastors at some point and then B understanding how this mistake could have been made, we can kind of clearly see it as a wisdom issue where majority of people are literally saying he has a porn addiction, he has um he's he's a he's a predator, this is clearly grooming and all this other stuff where it's like like you're inferring that and it and and, and maybe that's maybe there's there's some truth in that, but like based on the evidence that we have, I don't see that. And I think, if I'm being honest, that is what's also making ministry in 2022 and beyond, like, a way scarier place. Because it's, like, now it's, like, not, like, everything we're going to be saying, I mean, even this podcast is going to be scrutinized in such a way that's going to be colored in the way they want to believe it, or the way other people will believe it. And then it will, and something like Twitter will only, like, make a snowball effect where it's just going to continue to get people to pile on and stuff like that, where... Where again, like, it's, it's not smart. He shouldn't have bought the stickers, but there's no context to the picture. There's just a lot of assumptions and based on small things. Again, Tim is right earlier. Like, the way the church handled this wasn't great either. One thing that we talked about the, before the podcast was um, Andrew said we should create resources for churches that say, like, you know, oh crap, stuff is at the fan here's what we should do. And it's like, create like a document of like, Hey, this is what you should say on social media. And this not necessarily for like PR reasons, but more of like the activeness of what you should be doing when this type of stuff happens. Because now the, the delayed response and the way things have been communicated, it makes everything look way worse. And there's way more things that can be inferred by the silence than it is by the, uh, the, the transparency of it all. So I don't know. Uh, any, any final thoughts uh, about this that anyone wants to share? Nope. I guess for me, I
1: I mean, I've been in student ministry a long time. I've I've done some, you know, some not so smart things. But really, I think having a relationship with an area pastor or area pastors, like it just keeps coming back to this, not even accountability, but just having a buddy, having someone to do ministry with, so you're not doing it alone. I feel like this, this really, I, I want to believe the best with this guy. I, I really do. I just think it, it could have been. Avoided so simply if, you know, I, I, can't, if I had sent that to Andrew and said, what do you think? He would have been like, Tim, don't be an idiot. And I'd be like, yep. I would have been like, like, it would have been so quick. Like, I'm like,
3: yep. That's hilarious. Don't you dare.
0: Oh yeah. He'd have laughed at it first and then told you. Of course you he would have. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. He'd been like you should show that, you know, give one of those to your wife. That's really funny, but those should definitely not be handed out to students. And I, I just, yeah, my heart goes out to him, but at the same time it did happen. It has to be addressed And it's it's unfortunate that, you know, most of liberal Twitter is having a field day with this, like absolute field day. He's getting crucified on Twitter for sure. And that that definitely breaks my heart. Um, But again, it it could have been avoided, but it happened. And now it has to be dealt with.
3: But also heartbreaking is that the church for some will lose credibility because of this. And most of those people. We're not trying to see the church as credible to begin with. You know, you kind of see what you're looking for more often than not. But there are people that will say, Do you know what? This is my excuse to, you know, to continue on my my journey of abandoning the faith. Or I was thinking about going back to church, but now I'm not going to. And they, they were never going to go back. But this is an excuse that people will use for why they are walking away. And I I don't know him. I've never met him, but I am certain that he has spent hours of his life reading through the comments on Twitter and the replies to the original post and I'm guessing that gallons of tears have been shed because I I hurt reading those tweets and I just know the context. I don't you know my my I wasn't the one that caused it. And so I'm guessing that there is a whole lot of hurting and a whole lot of healing that's gonna need to happen before anything can get back to normal.
2: Yeah, what you just said is true. Like I Like, even me reading the comments and reading the responses, like, my heart aches for that situation. Not just, like, yeah, the church is in a mess probably and all that kind of stuff. But, like, the fact that this is now more fodder for people's resentment towards the Lord, like, it it pisses me off. I mean, it goes back to the whole, like, um, the the thing I said earlier about, like, I mean, how many, I mean, I think at this point, I I bet all four of us know of at least one youth pastor that, like, messed around with some kid and did something stupid like that. Like I, I know people I went to Bible college with that, like I found out a couple years later with the jail because of that. And it's just like, it, it's infuriating Um, because I, I like, I just want to tell them like, don't go into ministry. Like just like if you're a drunk, don't drink alcohol. <laughs> like, 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 I don't know. And maybe that's too simplistic and maybe that's not me like being compassionate towards sinners. But like, at the end of the day, it's like, there's, there, there's too much at stake here. To be making like obnoxiously dumb decisions that could have been avoided, um, but anyways, all that to say is I I hope that the the, the one the, all the people who are in the comments on Twitter find healing and find and find some sort of uh, I, I I pray whether they want to believe it or not I hope they find their hope in Christ. But when it comes to, the, to the, the, this youth pastor, I hope he he learns from this decision. I hope that like. If if everything is true, that this is just a poor decision, there's no other backstory of, like, grooming and all that kind of stuff, that if he is fired from this church or whatever, that he, like, learns from this mistake and, and like, takes this as the opportunity to, like, be a more mature youth pastor. If that's what he's called to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, to grow in that maturity because... I mean, that's for all of us. Luckily, for a lot of us, some of the dumb mistakes we were able to do in youth ministry were contained in a silo where we were able to learn from it, and it didn't cause any damage. It was just like, maybe you got reprimanded by your boss, or maybe a parent... Like, I, I, I It's funny, this is kind of full circle now. A couple years ago, towards the end of my youth ministry career, I had a, 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 a youth night where all the guys were over at my house, were playing video games. It was awesome. We had like 10 tvs in my living room and it was like a super night of just like Fortnite and all these other video games and the kids just saw it was like the same month that red dead redemption came out red dead redemption 2 came out and the kids were like oh Oh, man i want to can can you can we play the game And i said absolutely not like this is ma like i'll get in trouble but this is where this is the foolishness of game. but i will show you the graphics and so what i did is i muted the tv and I just showed them me riding my horse off a cliff because I thought that was funny and the graphics are crazy. And that the, the part of the horse riding off the cliff is not the bad part. The part is the parent came in and saw that I was playing the game and was upset because I was playing Red Dead Redemption with their kids. And sure enough, that became an email that came to my boss and I got we talked about it, all that kind of stuff and um and I, I was like, i'm not going to play video games with kids ever again <laughs> that's what my, my my opinion was, but what's interesting is yesterday yesterday morning, that same parent who i've now you know it's been like three or four years since then, the mom came to me and said, "Hey, I just want to apologize for something like I came really hard on you about this video game, and I realized it's just a video game, and now that my son is older, like I realized that like you weren't trying to do anything bad, you were just trying to relate to the kids and and i'm I'm sorry." Like, she did not have to apologize, but, like, God used that circumstance to kind of mature me to think, hey, don't make some rash decisions just to, like, relate to kids. Like, this is unnecessary to relate to the kids and all that kind of stuff. And luckily, praise God, the video game decision wasn't that bad, and the mom ended up years later, like, I mean, she forgave me years ago, but, like, she brought it up to me. Because she just wanted to sh- show that she appreciates me, or whatever. And I and I and I think about the story, and I'm like, man, I just hope that there's some sort of redemption in this, where like he comes out of this other end. He's like, I made a poor decision in printing these stickers or handing out these stickers, and that like he just commits to like f- focusing on the right things and not focusing on other foolish stuff. You know, one
0: one last thing, and I'll say I'll shut up. But I think one of the Tendencies for us to do when we see this is to overcorrect, right? Is to be like, okay, then I'm gonna straight lace it. I'm only going, to, you know, we're only singing out the hymns. The only stickers I'm giving out are the ones that give it out the doctor's office to little kids, you know, and to not push the envelope creatively because you don't want to do that. And I would say there's wisdom in that, but that's also just run it by your senior pastor. You know, I mean, really, if 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 you think that this is maybe too far, just run it by him. Don't hamper the creativity because as Christians, we should be forefront of that. Uh, and and sometimes it needs to be edgy. I remember the first time I got it from a parent. Um, it was when remember Guitar Hero was a big thing, like a long time ago. I had Guitar Hero in the youth room, and uh, a guy came up and they were playing. I don't know. It wasn't a bad song. You know, they were playing guitar hero music. And this one guy comes down and he goes, I know that's Christian music all those kids are playing up there, right? And now I was I was 22, so take that with a grain of salt. I said, what did you say? He's like, that's Christian music all those kids are. I was like, oh, all those kids. Yeah, there's a lot of kids here now, aren't there? That wasn't the the wise way for me to handle that. <laughs> But, I, but you know, eventually I was able to go back and say, listen, I, I screened it. There's nothing in here, like, against the faith that they're playing. Um, and we were able to kind of move on. But there again, don't let something like this in your own personal ministry keep you from being creative and from doing those things. Just make sure
2: you got wise people. Awesome. Well, um, with this and more you know we're we're going to bring this up into the podcast uh a facebook group because we want to we 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 want to have this conversation. I'm hoping that we can have like a, a mature conversation outside of the whole drama of it all because you know th- th- this is like encouraging further people who are walking away from the faith and this is also casting a black eye on the southern baptist again and 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 churches and youth ministry and and then, you know, Practically Pastoring is all about, like, helping youth pastors be, helping pastors in general be the best they can be, um, and also not get in trouble. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, with that being said, hey, uh, want to remind you to go to PracticallyPastoringConference.com. We want to see you there. Um, you know, we want to, we, we believe the conference is here not just for us to, to find more friends, to be a community, but also to, um, to, um, uh, be able to 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 help grow with one another and and become the best the best pastors we can be. Um, I know like even the last conference last year, you know, there was so much wisdom that was shared. Even I was thinking about um about um you know there there was a breakout with a guy who um who works in like uh head and um not, not headhunting, but like helping pastors find jobs. And there was so much wisdom being gleaned, and so much of what he was talking about were like wisdom issues, like. How to think about when you're transitioning, what you should say and what you shouldn't say, and all that kind of stuff. And um, and you know, some of the stuff that we talk about at the Pastor Conference is not about what's biblical and what's unbiblical, but what's wise and unwise. And uh, and we need, and the only way we can have those conversations is when we're in communion with one another. I know that if, if Dell were to tomorrow say I I heart hot S- South Carolinians, like we would tell them, <laughs> Delmar. Just give that to your wife and no one else, right? Like, that's the only person who, you know, <laughs> don't give it to everyone in your church. That's what community is for. So, with that being said, we hope to, that you join us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, and we'll see you next week. I'm Frank Gill. I'm Tom R. Pete.
3: I'm Andrew Larson.
2: And I'm Timothy Miller. And this is Part of the Pastoring. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group,
1: where we get to share ideas and make each other better.